Warning! What follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem! I'm Nick. And I'm Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world. On February 1st, 1872, in Tecumseh, Michigan, Andrew Kehoe was born. Good. Andrew had 12 other brothers and sisters. Now, nobody cared enough in any of the articles or sites I found to say what order he was born in exactly out of the 13, except to say that he was in the younger half, and I did come across one that specified that he was the firstborn. Now, those two things seem to conflict with each other, so yeah, I, don't a underst- bit. I don't understand why. I mean, this should be very easy information to verify, but I guess when someone has 12 siblings, it doesn't really matter, I guess. Who cares? Yeah. Evidently. I'm just saying that's what the internet seems to want me to believe, so. Anyways, so moving along, I've read conflicting reports on when his mother died. Some sites said... She died when he was very young, like five. Others said she died later when he was 18. Anyways, at some point, his mother did, in fact, die. Uh You would think again, this is a fact that would and should be easily verifiable and consistent across the board. And I'm sure I could have found the real answer. But we prepare these episodes sometimes with a time crunch. And to be quite honest with you, I really didn't care that much. It's not important. <laughs> she <laughs> yeah, died. That's fair. She died. That matters because that leads to things. But, you know, the point is his mom died and his father remarried Francis Wilder, who was a teenager at the time and younger than Andrew. Again, according to some sites, other sites kind of implied that she was older. Just. This is my disclaimer. I could have just thrown this at you and said, like, whatever. I just picked the version. So that's just what we're dealing with right now. Okay. So his Mm -hmm. mother died, his father remarried, and his dad's new wife may in fact have been younger. Or maybe older? Anyways, after attending Tecumseh High School, Andrew went off to Michigan State University to study electrical engineering. He met Ellen... Nellie Price, because back then people had nicknames that didn't make any sense. Unless, is is Nellie a uh, traditional nickname for Ellen? If so, I plead my ignorance, because I was unaware oh, I of that. I, I, I don't know. Okay. I just think of Nellie, the rapper. So. Right. Yeah, well... Um, I'm guessing that's, fun- that's not him. Well, that's funny, because um, Andrew was not a saint lunatic, but he does eventually go to St. Louis. Not that that mm-hmm. has any effect hmm. on anything, but... In- But anyways, the couple eventually would be married in 1912, but again, it's not 1912 yet. Post-college and before he wed his bride, he headed out west to St. Louis and spent many years as an electrician until he suffered a terrible head injury that left him in and out of a coma for up to two months. That sounds like a bad time. That sounds fun. This is a man who's coming in and out of reality. Yeah. Now... I have read that it was due to a nasty fall 
or that he got zapped. That's a quote. He got zapped. I guess he could have been zapped, which caused him to have his nasty fall. Yeah, that, that, definitely that a possibility. It. So imagine this man doing electrical work on a ladder. He gets electrocuted. Ah! And then he falls, smashes his head, and he's in and out of a coma for two months. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a bad time. It's not great. So anyways, the man took a tumble. After he recovered, he returned home to his father's farm in Michigan. Now, in 1911, Francis Murphy Wilder Kehoe, I didn't use those names before, but I guess his different names are... His, his stepmom had a hyphenated name before she married his dad. Anyways, whatever. Andrew's stepmother went to ignite her oil-powered stove when it violently exploded. Huh. She was covered in the oil, which brought with it the flames. Andrew... That's not good. No. Andrew, presumably after hearing the explosion, came to her aid, collected his thoughts, evaluated the situation, and proceeded to douse her with water. Uh-oh. Now, this being an oil fire, that only helped spread the flames all over her body. And after burning yeah. alive... Yeah. Right? So... Mm-hmm. No, Mom! <laughs> Psh, ah! Oh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I made it worse. Oh. Yeah, so after burning alive for probably what amounted to a decent chunk of time, she was, of course, brutally injured and scarred and burned, and she would eventually die because of those injuries. Now, it's worth noting that Andrew didn't like his stepmother very much. Okay. Seriously, yeah. Maybe it led to the water choice. It's, it's not impossible. <laughs> but he was never convicted or accused. Well, maybe maybe accused. Let's be honest. But he was never convicted of that crime, if it even was a crime. Mm-hmm. Just pointing it out. Also worth noting, some stories have him doing this at fourteen. Others at thirty-nine. That's a big but, difference. But the only one that makes sense as far as the dates goes, the 39th one. So I think there's like this thing circulating on the internet and people pick and choose things from the story and like this with no rhyme or reason. Because the 39, if he's born in 1872, I did the math and it happened in 1911. Yeah, okay. So mm-hmm. if we agree on those dates, he was 39. Now again, I suppose I could have left out this discrepancy. But again, I want to stress how weird it is that several sites have conflicting facts that hypothetically should be easily verifiable. Whatever. I don't care. Regardless, Andrew's stepmother exploded into a ball of flames and he chucked water <laughs> on her. Yep. That happened. There's no change in that. No, yeah, that happened. She done. She done good. Mm-hmm. Anyways, well, things done. well ten- done. Yeah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yep. That. <laughs> I can't just imagine her... her dad walking in what the fuck (laughs) you did what she was on fire she was on (laughs) fire i thought that would i thought that would help dad what anyways things tend to get way more consistent and unified from here on out this goes into the incident that happened in the house a new york times you know the, the previously mentioned her combusting into flames because of the oil stove situation Mm -hmm. 
A New York Times article, May 20th, 1927, stated, Police discovered a container a container of gasoline inside the basement. It was, quote, so fitted that the natural expansion of the gas would force the inflammable vapor through a tube to spark to a spark gap. When this point had been reached, the gas could have been exploded by one pushing an electric button or turning gasoline would have been scattered throughout the basement. So there's that. Wait, so it was like Actually, rigged? you know what? You know what? Oh, I mean, the high, I mean, they don't know. Huh. They don't know. How much did he not? How much did he not like his stepmother? We don't know. Yeah, okay. Could have just been in the basement and happened to be really full to fuck with the stove and shit. Because, I mean, let's be real. Sometimes bad things just happen. Mm-hmm. Again, Andrew would marry Nellie a year after this accident. Nellie... Mm-hmm by the way, was the daughter of a wealthy Lansing family, and in 1919, the couple bought a farm from her aunt just outside of Bath, Michigan, for $12,000. It was 185 acres. Man. In 1919. Yeah, could, this is how I felt. I wish I could buy 185 acres for 12 grand, or whatever yeah, you well, said. We're getting to, and I'm sure you're curious how much that would be worth in today's money. Well, I can do 2019 money. And so how much was $12,000 in 1919? Three hundred and eighteen hundred thousand dollars. Three hundred eighteen thousand dollars. Yes, that's a big jump. Uh huh. Yeah. So if you went back in time to this terrible era with twelve thousand dollars, you could have a hundred and eighty-five acres. What you do is yeah. you go back in time. You go back in time and you buy it. Okay. Yeah. And then you work up some kind of some kind of contract where you just where it sits and it's owned by somebody and like somehow find a way to pay the taxes or whatever. Then you go to the future so you don't have to live in the past and then you just have this land and it's just yours. Yeah. There's, Sounds like a there's good plan. detail there's details you have to work out here. And I don't yeah. know why I'm talking about time travel. Maybe because buying hundred and eighty five acres for twelve thousand dollars is very enticing to me. <laughs> yes, very much so. It's like all right. Well, I'll take, I'll take about three hundred acres. Yeah, I'll twenty-four thousand yeah. dollars. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just live in my car on it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As if there's no house built or anything. I'll but just anyways, camp on it. Yeah. Fuck it. It's, it's my nature. My nature paradise right now. So he got himself a six thousand dollar mortgage and paid the rest in cash. <laughs> nice. Uh huh. Things right. Exactly. Now, Andrew was a sharp dresser and was very concerned with his appearance. Meticulous would be a correct description. He could not stand a dirty shirt and would change it if it became dirty. He would often change his shirt in the middle of his day. Be like, ah, it's done. Hmm. It's weird. So I just wiped my face on my sleeve. (laughs) Yeah, well, Andrew Andrew would not be, uh, he wouldn't, if if he would have done that, he would have had to go change his shirt. Yeah. But he was, that's that's kind of strange, odd, but he considered highly intelligent and willing to help others when they needed it, is who is the kind of guy Andrew was. But his demeanor would shift if his own wishes were not granted, or if he became involved in a disagreement with someone where he could not sway their opinion. His temper was notorious. Hmm. So he's, he's got that going on. 
Now, surely none of this had anything to do with the fact that he had been electrocuted and smashed his head on the ground after falling years prior. So sure, there's no I mean, connection probably here. Yeah, probably yeah. nothing. No lines we can draw of any similarities. Now, like he did, he bought that farm um, from his, um, his wife's aunt and uncle. But he never made much money from it. He was too busy trying to create new ways of farming. He wanted to experiment. Now, one of his neighbors, M.J. Monty Ellsworth, said, quote, He never farmed it as other farmers do, and he tried to do everything with his, with his tractor. He was in the height of his glory when fixing machinery or tinkering. He was always trying new methods in his work, for instance, hitching two mowers behind his tractor. This method did not work at different times, and he would just leave the hay standing. He also put four sections of drag and two rollers at once behind his tractor. He spent so much time tinkering that he didn't prosper. What the hell is he doing? He's, He's just, just having fun. Around. He's just fucking around. He's literally yeah. fucking around and then changing his shirt because it gets dirty. Because he doesn't Cause it... give a fuck. Yeah. Huh. But actually farming. He's just playing around. It's as almost as if he couldn't stop messing around, and despite his ambitions, his techniques were ineffective. So he's trying all these different tactics to make farming better, and he's just wasting time. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like he was beating a dead horse, which is actually something else he was accused of doing, beating one of his horses to death. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Rumors of his animal cruelty circulated amongst those closest to him. When a neighbor's dog wandered onto his property, he proceeded to shoot it because its barking annoyed him. Wow. Okay. <laughs> How do you feel about this our guy? A, this guy's a madman. Yeah, get, get, <laughs> yeah, we're getting to know Andrew pretty well. How do you feel about that? What the hell? He's uh different. Yeah. Just a little bit. But... He was good with money, and again, liked to help his fellow man. He often volunteered to help whenever called upon. In 1924, voters elected him to the Bath Consolidated School Board as treasurer, where he would fight for lower taxes. It's kind of a noble goal. Mm-hmm. Now, in politics, everything always goes your way, right? If you're a politician, you always get what you want. I mean, some like to think that, yeah. Um, well, well, Andrew's rigid worldview was on full display during disagreements with the board when they would not vote the way he wanted them to vote. If his will wasn't being enacted, he would argue for adjournment, so he would just basically want to quit. Fuck this. Yeah. He was also very vocal that the superintendent didn't know how to manage the district's money. Uh... M.W. Keyes would say he, quote, fought the expenditure of money for the most necessary equipment. So he's having disputes about things like, of course, the board thinks they need. He's like, no. And like most of the time, he's like the only guy who's saying no. So they're like, Andrew, the kids need to sit on desks. (laughs) Fuck it. Yeah. No. No desks. I don't want to pay for that shit. They don't need desks in the ground. Well, yeah. Right? Yeah, just sit on the ground. 
books. Who needs a book? And this was the time before people could dispute of like, do kids need like HD TVs and flat screen tablets and computer monitors and all this? This is like, do these kids need paper and pencils? No. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> all right well, there was <laughs> right. <laughs> Use chalk. Figure it out. Right. Yeah. Right with a stick in the dirt. Yeah. Here's a. Here's a. Some wood I cut down off this tree. Just hammering yeah. your notes. All right. There was one main re- hammering your notes. I just like that visual. It was a silly thing to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a chiseling tablet. All right. Well, there was one main reason Andrew hinged his campaign on lower taxes. He hated paying them. I mean, yeah. <laughs> who nobody who likes doesn't? Yeah, who <laughs> yeah. doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? But it wasn't just him taking a principled stance. He was in a bad spot financially, and they were putting him in a bind. Around this time, Nellie had contracted tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Uh-huh. This required lengthy hospital stays, which in turn cost lots of money. He, uh, he grew increasingly concerned he would lose the farm. So he's all worried about his own finances, so... Was he's watching just, the town? So just farm like a normal person. <laughs> no, he's got to, he's got to hook two tractors together and put eight mowers behind it, and just drag it in the dirt, <laughs> and then go run over a horse with it. And then run over a horse, shoot a few dogs for good measure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So watching the town waste money, his money, on further projects while his wife was suffering and his savings were being drained. Well, that, I mean, that whole situation just enraged him. Another victory for the American healthcare system, again. But this was back in the day when it was even worse than it is now, so. You know, mm-hmm. there wasn't antibiotics to fight what his wife had, so that's not great. Right. But he focused all his rage on the only five-year-old consolidated school district. So this whole school district is relatively new. It was crazy. So they 19- need a lot of stuff. They yeah, so they don't have anything. Right. They gotta get some stuff stuff going on. It was created in nineteen twenty two. Things were changing. One room schoolhouses were being closed in favor of larger institutions that grouped all these all these previously separated communities together. And of course, the new school had required new taxes. Monty Ellsworth said that in 1922, and uh, these facts are plucked from the Wikipedias and a source, which I'll mention later. I said that in 1922, the Bath Township school tax was $12.26 on a $1,000 valuation, with the valuation of Kehoe's farm being $10,000. In 1923, the school board raised the tax to $18.00. Dollars and eighty cents per thousand dollar valuation, and in 1926 the taxes went up to nineteen dollars and eighty cents. This meant that Kehoe's tax liability went from one hundred and twenty-two dollars and sixty cents in 1922 to one hundred and ninety-eight dollars in 1926. Okay, so a little bit of a little bit of a jump, and of course we're speaking then money because. It's not a bad tax money nowadays, I'm just saying. But, of course, this is 100 years ago, essentially. Mm-hmm. At its opening, 236 students attended and children were devied up into grades, 1 to 12, for the first time. 
So again, one room schoolhouses, they're done. Not just everybody Thing of the together. past. Thing of the past. We're moving to the future. All these different areas coming together. We've established grades. Kids stick with the their age groups. They have a specialized curriculum for them because of how old they are and where they've been. Yeah, everybody edu- in education's house. important. Education is important. It deserves to be valued. Now, Andrew Kehoe temporarily filled, along with his his treasury job, temporarily filled the role of county clerk after being appointed to the position, because evidently it was vacated, um, but would go on. So then, of course, when it came time to run for the permanent clerk, um, he would go on to lose that next election in 1926. Yeah, probably because he shot somebody's dog. Well, you never know. <laughs> you never know. People seem to like Andrew. Despite that's this, true. They, this, despite that's these true. weird, despite these weird things, though, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. ah, he just shot Quirks. that dog, and may, maybe he killed that horse and his mean animals. But my God, if when I asked him to help me move that couch, he did a great job. I mean, maybe that horse had it coming. Maybe that horse was an asshole. Yeah. What What was that horse up to? Hmm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It wasn't inside that horse's know. head. Maybe it wasn't farming right either. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the horse wasn't being didn't like having two tractors and eight mowers hooked up to it as it just ran around the yard. Why <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> ah, can't you work? And he just beats it to death. Yeah. It's probably a mower. I mean, what the fuck kind of weird? What a weird. Anyways, yeah. he couldn't. Again, he still could not believe the voters had the audacity to do this to him. And of course, Andrew likes to get what he wants. By June 1926, foreclosure proceedings had started on Andrew's farm. He had stopped paying his mortgage and homeowner's insurance. So he just kind of copped out of that. They did not know it at the time, but Andrew began vandalizing his own farm. I mean, why not? He began girdling trees on his property. Do you know what girdling is in relation to trees by chance? I mean, I have to imagine it's similar to girdling anything. Uh, so, just what would you, tying we can like spec- wires around it or something, so the tree has to grow around it. Oh, that's not, I like how you're thinking. The aroundness is good. Yeah, because I had no idea what girdling with a tree meant, and it's actually pretty morbid by tree. Like, if I imagine myself as a tree reading this, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, All I don't right. know what that well, happened well, to me. What we got exactly? All right. What you do is you rip a ring of bark. All the way off around the tree, exposing you know the inner sides of the tree, or so mm-hmm. I mean, or of like a branch, okay. And then everything above the ring starts to die, slowly. So like, if you hmm. ring, if you if you girdle around a big branch, the leaves die, the whole tree, and then that eventually dies and it falls off and rots. And if you do that, eventually the tree dies too, and you just you just kill the tree. Yeah. The process kills the tree. Above the ring, and as their branches die, the trees die. That's morbid. Huh. That's a, that's a, that's like torturing a tree. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't know so trees. He's taking it up. He's not just saying fuck dogs and horses now. He's like no. fuck trees. <laughs> fuck trees. I didn't know there was a way to torture a tree. That's fucked up. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Huh. Uh, yeah. There's one thing I took away from this. I was like, wow. Hmm. That's how you torture a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's... All right. Well, he was also cutting his grapevine plants from the ground, but then placing them back onto where they were, like the stump or whatever. 
making them look like they were still alive. So he was killing them and then putting them back so nobody knew they were dead. What? Why? Because <laughs> he's, he's pissed. I don't know. <laughs> what? What is wrong with this guy? <laughs> uh, some things people have reported to have heard Andrew Kehoe say. Quote, fuck trees. If I can't... <laughs> Oh, fuck trees. <laughs> fuck trees. <laughs> fuck trees. It's words to live by, Andrew Kehoe. Fuck trees. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? You can shove that oxygen up your ass. Fuck trees. All right, quote. <laughs> All right, Andrew Kehoe. If I can't live in that house, no one else will. <laughs> okay. And also, quote, If it hadn't been for that $300 school tax, I might have paid off this mortgage. End quote. Andrew was now 55. Okay. On Wednesday, 18th, this should be a month in there. Hold on. <laughs> Just the 18th of any month. Yeah. Was <laughs> it the 18th? All right, hold on. On Wednesday, May 18th, 1927, at exactly 8.45 a.m., the Keyhill family farmhouse exploded. Oh. Its remnants scattered into the neighbor's yards. But the house, or what was left of it, still stood. But... It suffered a massive ex- explosion. How big was this explosion that it's on 185 acres and it's parts of it are landing in the neighbor's yard? It's a good question. And the fact that the house was still standing to a degree. Hmm. But also, there was, there was other houses. Uh, there was other, well, there may have been other structures on the property as well that may or may not have also exploded. A lot okay. of things, a lot of things like barns, a lot of things exploded. But right now we're just going to focus on the house because it was now on fire. So the house of what was or what was left of it still stood. The firebombs had set it ablaze. And once they arrived on the scene, volunteers shimmied through shattered windows to look for anyone inside. But when they didn't find any, they tried to save whatever they could from the burning rubble. So, you know, probably not any fire departments at this time house explodes people run over hey let's go this let's see what we can do here anybody inside what can we do mm-hmm. so they jump to the windows they start pulling out like furniture and stuff just to save whatever they can from this you know whatever who knows what happened right people's livelihoods are at risk exactly absolutely they wanted to help out a member of their community any way they could after all andrew loved to volunteer he probably would have helped them but as they rifled through the deteriorating structure a man O.H. Wells found, like, bundles of dynamite inside. Uh-oh. Did Andrew Kehoe... He just picks one up, and he's surrounded by flames, and he's like, like uh-oh. Like, ah! <laughs> so, he picks up the dynamite. Did Andrew Kehoe blow up his house on purpose? Now, that man <laughs> didn't say that, but I'm just throwing that out there. As the... Uh, as the men hurried outside to battle the ongoing fire, Andrew drove by in his Ford pickup truck. Just waves. Hey. <laughs> he stopped, 
briefly and said something to the effect of, you guys should get to the school. Uh Uh-oh, what? (laughs) So how about the school? Set on fire or blowed up? Quote, the air seemed to be full of children and flying desks and books. Oh, God, what? Children were tossed high in the air. Some were catapulted out of the building. Holy fuck. (laughs) That's not good. What the fuck? Right? Quote, mother after mother came running into the schoolyard and demanded information about her child. And on seeing the lifeless form lying on the lawn, sobbed and swooned. In no oh, time, shit. <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah, man. Right? Process that. You saw it in your mind. It's not good. No. <laughs> no! In no time, more than 100 men were at work tearing away the debris of the school, and nearly as many women were frantically pawing over the timber and broken bricks for traces of their children. God. I saw more than one woman lift clusters of bricks held together by mortar heavier than the average man could have handled without a crowbar. Mm-hmm. Now, Kehoe's neighbor, I mentioned him before, Monty Ellsworth, who would go on to write the book The Bath School Disaster, wrote, quote, I saw one mother, Mrs. Eugene Hart, sitting on the bank a short distance from the school with a little dead girl on each side of her and holding a little boy, Percy, who died a short time after they got him to the hospital. This is about the time Kehoe... Oh, never mind. That's a spoiler for what's coming later. I'm not going to tell you that part. Oh, okay. Right. Anyways, so that's he witnessed that. Mm-hmm. Ellsworth on the scene after the explosion and saw that, quote, there was a pile of children of about five or six under the roof. So, like, the whole, the roof of the school, which probably had a pretty serious roof, was on top of five or six children. Jeez. So, uh, Monty Ellsworth hopped in his car to drive to his farm to get a rope so he could hopefully drag the debris and help get the, get that off, you know, the children's bodies. Mm-hmm. And as he as he was going one way to back to his farm, he passed Andrew going the other way in the opposite direction. The two okay. men made eye, the two men made eye contact. What did Andrew do? Quote. He grinned and waved his hand. Quote. And then continuing quote. When he grinned, I could see both rows of his teeth. So it's like the biggest shit eating <laughs> grin. What the fuck? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, this man. This he's, out of, he's, he's a lunatic. Yeah, what the hell? And then uh, M.W. Keyes uh, said, quote, I have no doubt that he made his plans last fall. And I think M.W. Keyes was a superintendent at, po- at one point. He was for sure a member of the school board. So he had interactions okay. with Andrew like all the time as he's fighting taxes and all that kind of shit. Because there's another mm-hmm. superintendent mentioned in here. And I didn't, I didn't want to look up like when, sw- but it seems like Mr. Keyes was a superintendent at some point, but definitely on the school board. Quote, okay. I-, I have no doubt that he made his plans last fall, which w- would have been 1926, because this happened in 1927, to blow up the school. He was an experienced electrician, and the board employed him in November to make some repairs on the school lighting system. He had ample opportunity then to plant the explosives and lay the wires for touching it off. Huh. 
now. So Andrew, Andrew had free reign to the school that entire summer. He had bought up explosives from all over the state, which didn't set off any red flags because it was commonplace practice to use dynamite on a farm, you know, blowing up trees or, you know, excavating land. It was a common tool. Um, yeah, although, why don't you just blow stuff up? Yeah. Although, although. I mean, if I had 185 acres, I'd be blowing something up. Boom! <laughs> well. Just so saying. Yeah, I I don't I I hear you I hear you and I can see that oh well this has got to, this this mound of dirt's got to go, boom yeah okay mm-hmm. although now it's a common practice on farms back then, but I mean it, so it's common although explosions had been going off had been heard going off on Kehoe's property often enough that one neighbor called him the quote dynamite farmer <laughs> oh god okay. Dynamite at a construction site had also been stolen, but it wasn't until after the massacre that they attributed it to Andrew. He had also acquired a ton of pyrotol. Okay. That is another explosive no, device. No, I don't yeah. know what that is. I'm not well versed in explosives, so. Me neither. Now, in retrospect, Kehoe had said a lot of alarming things. In retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when, fuck when trees he, was just a, a pretty tame yeah. one at that yeah, point. Yeah, well, yeah. Fuck trees. Yeah, remember the remember way back in the day when fuck trees was just was just getting started. It was like oh yeah. Well, he was a treasurer, and when he passed out paychecks a week earlier, he said to one employee, "Quote, my boy, you want to take good care of that check, and it is probably the last check you will ever get." <laughs> oh God. <laughs> the, he says that, and the guy's probably just like, ha ha, yeah, okay. Okay. Okay, Andrew. And then one teacher had asked to use his grove for a picnic, and he had told her, quote, she would better have it at once, end quote. Like, what, what's the what's the rush on my picnic? You better get it over yeah. with. <laughs> Why? It's just, you better get it over with. Anyone who was on their way to fight the fire at the Kehoe farm had done an about-face and headed to the school after they had heard that explosion. So it's like, boom, this, oh, boom, this. So then, imagine that town, by the way. Boom, boom. Yeah. And, of course, heading back to the school, well, this was the same direction Andrew Kehoe was headed in. Now, before everything started, Andrew had gotten new tires for his truck, loaded his back seat with a various assortment of metal debris, and filled his vehicle with dynamite. Okay, this guy is just <laughs> fucking insane. Like, I mean, what? When he arrived at the school, he called Superintendent Hayek over to his truck, and very shortly Hayek began wrestling with Andrew after Andrew began brandishing a newly purchased long gun. Oh. Okay. So he's wrestling. He's like half. I picture him like half in his truck, and the superintendent's like trying to grab the gun out of his hand. Yeah, like he invites the superintendent over, and then he just sticks a rifle out the window, and the like, superintendent's like, "Uh oh, like, no, 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 no." So the as fuck? as their fight escalated, yeah. So they're fighting over the long gun, and then as their fight escalated, Andrew Kehoe detonated the dynamite in his truck, killing oh. himself. Hayuk. A retired farmer and an eight-year-old second grader, Cleo Clayton, who had survived the initial attack. 
Oh, God damn it. <laughs> what? It doesn't stop. What? Oh, jeez. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? I have no idea. The shrapnel that also killed Clayton flew over half of... So, like, after the truck explosion, it sent shrapnel half a block away and blew off Postmaster Glenn O. Smith's leg. Jesus. What? This is mayhem. <laughs> it's absolute chaos. Yeah. O.H. Bush said one of his guys... And O.H. Bush is one of the... He was the guy who jumped in the house to lay... And he's like, this is fucking dynamite. Holy shit. So he yeah. made his way to the school. O.H. Bush said some of his guys began to treat, quote, the wounds of Glenn Smith, the postmaster. His leg had blown off. His leg had been blown off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The north wing of the school had been what had been detonated. But during their recovery operation, 500 more pounds of dynamite were found in the south wing <sighs> with a timer that had failed to go off at 845. Probably because the ex- people suspect that the explosion... You know, because it's probably not Jarred exactly it. timed. Yeah, it, it yeah. caused a loose wire, caused a short circuit. Right. So, it, it you know, that second 500, 500 pounds pounds. of dynamite. He was gathering explosives for an entire year. That's how premeditated this massacre was. What the hell? I don't. Just let that, let that sit for just a moment. Jesus. Oh man! Right? Yeah. Oh boy, that's absurd. Five hundred pounds. So he probably blew off five hundred pounds the first time. That's what I. That's what I decided. That's what I thought too. So he had a thousand pounds of dynamite lined underneath this school. That's crazy. The attacks killed thirty-eight elementary school children and six adults. And injured at least 58 other people. I also read it injured like up to 100 people. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even just being... I can't imagine how loud that would be in if you were anywhere near it. Oh, it has to be deafening. It had to, sh- it had mm-hmm. to shake everything, too. And I, I think I mentioned earlier, because the school had 236 kids in it, and there's like only 300 adults in this town. But of course, the kids are from different areas, I'm sure, because it's consolidated, you know? But right. like, so there's only 300 adults in this town, and six of them got murdered, 58 got hit. Like, we're not dealing with a, a wide breadth of people here. Is my point. Right. The percentage is high. Exactly. Now, now, um, Andrew's wife Nellie had not been at the house when it exploded. Remember, they didn't find anybody. Sir, so mm-hmm. where was she? Where was Nellie? <sighs> Fuck, I don't know, strapped to 500 pounds of dynamite somewhere? Well, I don't know. Well, after murdering her, he placed her body by the back of the farm next to their chicken coop in a wheelbarrow. After the explosion, she she was basically... After the explosion, she was discovered brutally burned to a crisp, surrounded by silverware and a metal cash box filled with a bunch of scorched banknotes. Key... Kehoe had rigged his house to explode along with every other building on his farm. So, like, his whole house is a crater, basically. His whole area is like, it's like a... Much like the school, the property looked like a war zone. 
All it lacked were the excessive casualties. But the farm still had casualties, besides his wife. The burnt carcasses of two horses were uncovered with their legs wired together so they could be they could not be rescued and they were unable to flee once the bombings began. So he, he died fuck. <laughs> he tied his horse's legs together so he could blow them up without them getting away. Yes. Absolutely. This is the story of America's worst school massacre. Even to this day, it still remains the worst. Because, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Even after his death, Andrew continued to blame the townspeople for what had happened to him, as if they forced this tragedy upon themselves. What a fucking madman. Investigators casing his property found a sign, a handmade sign wired to a fence with one final message etched onto it. Quote, criminals are made, not born, end quote. Jeez. Does he think he's the fucking Joker? What is he doing? Yeah, what is he? He is the Joker. He is the Joker. His grin? Yeah. He's a super, he's a villain. He's a comic book villain. Yep. He targets a school full of school children? With a thousand pounds of dynamite? I mean. What? You think at some point he'd be like setting up the dynamite underneath the school and be like, you know, a moment of clarity. He's like, man, this is insane. What am I doing? No, the moment he had was he wired 500 pounds in the North Wing, and he's like, you know what? I need 500 more pounds of dynamite. Yeah. I'm going to get him good. What the hell? Oh, my God. I can't believe, I can't believe this happened. No, this is insane. <laughs> like, f- fucking terrifying. This guy is a crazy person. He is a lunatic. No. Like I said, 44 people were killed with 58 injured. This little excerpt was from awesomemitten.com. Don't let that name throw awesome. you Awesome.com? Yeah, awesomemitten.com. Yes. Websites, oh. you know. It was Richard Fritz's eighth birthday that day, and he died almost exactly a year later from complications after the bombing. So there was a kid who suffered for a year and then he died. Mm-hmm. He was buried next to his sister, Marjorie, age 10, at the Mount Hope Cemetery with a he- without a headstone. 87 years later, the community rallied to ensure that all the children had headstones. So some of these kids still didn't have headstones. They were just, you know, buried. Because... Unmarked graves. Yeah. Well, I guess they would be marked, but... And every... Right, they had to have some way of marking them, but not no headstones. Like I don't, you know what I mean. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what would have been done there. But eighty-seven years later, the community rallied to ensure that all the children had headstones. And every year, there are new matchbox cars that appear on every grave. No one has ever seen the cars delivered, but without fail, 
A friendly ghost has continued to leave tokens of childhood for these souls that pass too soon. Keep your eyes peeled for the arrival of Richard's toy since he finally has a headstone to rest under. I only just, that's an afterthought because I was just researching the madness and then one site threw like a little ghost story at me. I'm like, yeah, I bet yeah. how many, 38 kids were murdered. Mm-hmm. There had also been reports of cold spots, eerie voices, and strange touches like somebody was grabbing you from behind the veil or like grabbing you for help. Mm-hmm. But how could this area not freak out and horrify anyone who visited such a twisted landmark? Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, right? That's bad, yeah. Can you imagine walk, walking those grounds? There's no sense... Of, and the town? The its sense of normalcy was completely obliterated. Yeah, I mean, you... That, that would be a... I mean, even now, that would be a devastating thing to happen anywhere. Absolutely. It would still be... I mean, it would be absolutely tragic. Yeah, I mean, those mm-hmm. are like modern... Like, I mean, talking about, unfortunately, like, school shooting and stuff. This this is, like, modern casualty rate. It surpasses that. 38 yeah. kids? Hmm. Well, would you like a little, uh, just a little brief epilogue as I mm-hmm. round out this story? This yeah. is from the book A Pale Horse Was Death by Troy Taylor and Reen Cruz. I found this on a website, and at the end of it, it quoted this book, and it was called A Pale Horse Was Death by Troy Taylor and Renee Cruz. I don't know what else that book's about, but... Mm-hmm. All right, but there's a qu- quote. The amount of unused equipment and materials on the property, Kehoe's property, reportedly could have easily paid off the mortgage, but Kehoe had been too obsessed with the unfair taxes for him to realize it. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, what the fuck? He had all... Yeah, he had all this valuable shit around him, and he was too bent up on this crusade he decided to wage against the town instead of trying to sell his property to keep his house, to sell, like, his equipment to keep his house. Yeah. But that's the that's the school massacre of Bath, Michigan. How do you feel about that? I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It's terrible. Yeah, that sucks. It just keeps yeah. going. What a fucking lunatic. He's like, out of his mind. For a year he planned it. He plotted it for a year. Yeah, and then he just drives by, smiling so big, the guy's like, what the fuck was that? Just waving? And then he drives by the people putting out the fire. And he tries fire. to stick a rifle out the window? <laughs> <laughs> no! Then like, boom! <sighs> Turned his yeah, truck wh- into a pipe bomb? He's a supervillain. Yeah. He drives by his own house that he set on fire and exploded and tells the people, you better go check out the school, and then keeps going towards the school with his long gun and his truck that has become a bomb. I mean, that was out of control, man. I didn't know what to do with that. That was out of this world. I mean, him saying fuck trees is pretty tame in comparison to where that ended up. Yeah, fuck trees is baby shit now. Yeah. He's blowing apart. I mean, the insanity didn't stop. And of course, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the fact that he was electrocuted and fell on his head. The man was a broken mess who was not computing properly at all. Yeah, something, some wires got crossed. I don't know when it happened, how it happened, but that's insane. I, it's... 
Ah, oh, man, it was so much the process. He definitely it's... killed his stepmom then. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is, did you like it? Look, it's like a whole fucking story. Yeah. Yeah, remember when we thought it might have been an accident that his mother, that she, his stepmother burned alive, and then it was an oil fire, and he threw water on her to make it worse? He's psychopath. <laughs> he totally did. Yeah, what did. the fuck? He totally did. And then leaving his cryptic comic book villain message on the fence for them to find, like his suicide note, basically? Mm-hmm. Criminals are not born. They're made. What? Who are you? Yeah. This story is so insane. I am shocked that I have just found out about it this week. Yeah. Like, I'm sure, like, we don't usually get into mass murderers and, like, people who do that kinds of things. But, I mean, what the hell, man? Yeah. Uh... He was... I mean, if, if if man is the real monster, I can think of... Well, I can think of a lot of examples, actually. But he is a great example of that concept because he attacked a school full of children with a thousand pounds of dynamite. Yeah, that's like uh, petty. I mean, I mean, it's a lot of things, but like, <laughs> it's it is a lot. It is a lot to handle. But like, kids, like they didn't do anything to you. No, he so, was like. He was like punishing the kids because their parents voted against him. And the school sucks because he had to pay taxes for it. So fuck trees and fuck kids, I guess. Blow it up when they're not there. Like the part that like makes you an absolute madman as you waited until everyone is there. Yep. He's like, I mean, it's blowing up a school even when people aren't there is still a madman. But right. you know, you follow like, what I'm saying here. <laughs> absolutely, but like people are not property, and he took out people and property, and yeah. then just you know the first quote I read this the every, everything and everyone went flying. Yeah. Holy shit. Huh. Yeah, that's bad news. Bad, bad time. It's a lot, and it's naughty. It sucks ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something you got to sit with for just a second after, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's a lot to take in. Like, it's a bad dude. He is literally a comic book villain. Mm-hmm. He loses an election, so he the sits out on a amount of... of- the amount of dynamite he had to have collected to just uh-huh. level things. I mean, Holy shit. His house, all the buildings. I mean, the tying the horse's legs together part. And he murdered his wife like a few days before the explosions. She came home from the hospital. She's chronically ill with tuberculosis. She's not going to make it. I couldn't find out how he murdered her as if we need even need to know that detail. But she was still intact. He didn't explode her. But then he puts her in a wheelbarrow pushes her out to the end of his property and then puts, like, the banknotes and, like, the money stuff. So, like, what kind of they're, they're fucked up message is that? Was she, like, hounding yeah. him about the finances and shit as she was, like, dying herself? And he just yeah. had enough of that? Enough of that back talk? She's like, like, just sell the equipment. We have enough equipment here. These people gotta pay. They gotta pay. It's like, fuck mm-hmm. trees and fuck them. 
fuck the world. Not in this way, Andy. What did the tr- what did the trees do to you? I mean, that tree torture shit is fucked up. Like, if you really hate your neighbor, I guess just rip out her ring of bark on the tree. You'll kill all those trees. If somebody pisses you off, here's a torture. There's a weapon no one thought of to utilize. That like who who does what maniac does that? Because the tr- the tree <laughs> the tree slowly <laughs> dies. I know. It's just gonna keep going in circles because I don't know how else to deal with that. Yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, he's the definition of a monster. I mean, we've definitely <laughs> talked about monsters before, but uh-huh. this man is a real monster. He is a legitimate monster, and he caused. I mean, he caused one hell of a mess. He was. I mean, he fucking. He fought the superintendent, and like the whole thing is like a cinematic battle in your head. This is one thing over here, one thing over here, and then the truck goes, and then it's all done. It's all done. Mm-hmm. Well, if you just want to email us and vent about how that made you sad, email us at yeah. weirdfoodpodcast at gmail.com. I mean, I, I might have to send some words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, just to talk what it the, out. Be, what the fuck? <laughs> this happened almost, this happened 90 years ago. Hmm. Oh, my God. Well, and if you want to follow us, though, you can leave us a comment. Oh, leave us an iTunes review. Maybe just yep. how you're sad. That you enjoy the show, but this episode <laughs> made you sad. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah. you know, Instagram, Facebook, we're all over the place. And Behind the Veil, where the conversation continues. Because I can tell you, this Behind the Veil is just going to be coping with that. A lot of talking in circles, I'm it, sure. But just like, holy shit. Yeah. So it's just going to be me sitting in silence going, what the fuck? Yeah, if you need a Carthage, uh, you know, if you need a, or a, some kind of emotional cool down, I think that's going to be this week's Behind the Veil. <laughs> but otherwise, yep. <laughs> uh, do your best, stay safe, and uh, stay spooky, guys. Yeah, stay spooky. Stay spooky.